For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. PGA Nation! We are back. We are back for another round of the playoffs. A big round, 70 golfers, and we're heading to my old stopping grounds, Delaware, which I don't think, no, I'm pretty sure there's never been a tournament at before, which is just going to make it all the more fun this week. Um, as you can tell by David's attire, we're just coming out of a big meeting with the top 20 players in the world. Tiger showed up. Uh, we got things settled, so we're good to go. We'll tell you all about it on the show. Uh, but, David, thanks for joining us tonight. You've been on an absolute heater. So we're looking looking forward to seeing who you like this week. Uh, see, how are you doing tonight? Uh, by the way, you know, a little incel. Tiger looked good. He was very yep. cordial uh, when he walked into our meeting, uh, which David, of course, was sort of the headmaster of in, in his suit and tie. So we appreciated all of that. I'm doing well. I got to say, right from the jump, in case anybody didn't see my tweet, oh, my gosh, Lindsay's here with all of her exclamation points. This is awesome. Uh, Charlie, what's up? Brent, what is up? So I did make a claim last week. I guaranteed victory after just taking two players, Rory McIlroy, ouch, and Tony Fino. Tino, Tony Fino, not so bad. Uh, the point is, I didn't, I didn't act, I wasn't victorious. In fact, I think I was last place, according to somebody on Twitter who, uh, or in our Discord. So with that said, I am, oh my gosh, we have Byron in here. Justin is, oh, this is such a great crowd right here. So just real quick, I am going to be in, I'm going to give, be giving my opinions and all that, but this, it's not a C audience team. We can put it like that if you want, but this is an audience team. Really what that means is because it's normally just an audience team when I'm on their team. I have no veto power. Like last time I was on with the audience, I did have veto power. I did exert a proper veto, might I add. Uh, but the point is no veto power. This is the audience's team. I am just a fan in the crowd cheering for the audience. I love it. I love it. Spence, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. So I want to note two very interesting things before we get started. So one, it has now been six straight shows where one of us has drafted the eventual winner. And most of the time I want to note, it's been with the first pick. And two, we are now in this weird trend where the person that has hit the winner hasn't actually been the winner of the week. So Sia hit Fino at the Rocket Mortgage and Joel won. Joel hit Tom Kim at the Wyndham and I won. I hit Zalatoris at the St. Jude. Congratulations to the audience. You guys won last week, but I feel like that shows how great the lineups we are produce producing actually are on this program. Well, you are factually very accurate. That is to nobody's surprise in today's show. Come on, we hit every week. We are hot, and there's only one way for a crew as hot as we are to get hotter, and that's by bringing on David who has been the hottest man, not just on the PGA Tour, but the DPU Tour, you name it. He's picking winners everywhere. David, how do you do it? I'm good, buddy. No, it's good to good to be back on. Um, even better after last week. I was literally screaming at the television for Zalatoris to take a drop when he was short on that par three. Um, I was like, do, do not even attempt it, mate. Uh, don't give it a go. So, no, look, it was an awesome week. I mean, 
perhaps ironically, I mean, I picked picked um, Ewan Ferguson on the, the DP World Tour to win. I had uh, Salatoris for the, the double over on uh, in the PGA Tour at 29 to 1. But actually, my, my biggest ticket of the week was um, on Trey Mellonax, who I'd, I'd tipped at 250 to 1, um, finished top five, and, and his place money of 50 to 1 was actually better than Will Zalatoris as the winner. So it's not quite as sexy, but it was a, a very nice return on him, along with Morikawa for the, the top five as well. So took out some uh, took out some high roller um, leagues in the, the DFS as well. So big week overall. Um, it, it felt like it was coming for a while with a few top top five um, finishes in the weeks leading up. So now it was nice to to see one of our golfers get the W um, and hats off to Zalatoris. I thought he played great and it was it was a great tournament to watch. Very entertaining. Yeah. I love it. And you know, it does feel like in terms of like pressure and theme, like it feels like playoffs. Like these guys are, mm-hmm. they're all showing up this week. Like no one's taking the week off. These guys all want it. There's more money on the line. So at least for betting purposes, I think it's, the good part about it is, like, you know someone's not just kind of showing up to show up this week, right? Like, it's all on the line. These This is important for everyone. So, um, like, at least gives you a little bit more confidence on, like, you know, the silly Paul Casey withdrawals after one <laughs> hole and all that. Like, we're not, that's, that stuff hasn't shown up. I hope I'm not jinxing it. But uh, so far, so good. Now, Spence, you got your work cut out for you tonight with the course breakdown because there's – I don't think we've ever seen professional golf play at this course. So – um, that doesn't mean we're going at it blind. There's plenty of comp courses and things we can do to get a lean, but it's definitely not going to be as uh, confident or official as it would be other courses where we've seen these guys play before. So, Spence, without further ado, if you can, please give us a course breakdown on what you're looking for this week. So the venue was designed by Robert Trent Jones and features what I would call an interesting layout. So for starters, the plethora of bunkers, large green complexes, and incredibly narrow fairways that are tree-lined all show up when watching any course flyover. That might make you think that driving accuracy would be of the utmost importance since the rough isn't necessarily a pushover. But the one thing I noticed that isn't necessarily picking up a ton of traction, I have heard some people, Nick mentioned it on the show with Better Golf, is how wide off the fairway the trees actually are for those who miss the short grass. You know, yes, there are bunkers littered throughout the facility to try to mitigate some of this bomb and gouge approach, but there are sections on most holes where the tee shots either look easy to carry the sand traps or they're almost these regions to one side or the other where the trouble is non-existent. To me, it feels like golfers will be able to bomb into the tree-free zones and take advantage of being closer to the hole. I will quickly run through my model since I don't want to spend too much time breaking down all the nuances that went into it. But I started with 30% on a recalculated tee to green category. You will start after this to see the infiltration of driving numbers in a second. But 60% of my total here went towards proximity, 30% total driving, and 10% around the green. I placed 12.5% on strokes gain total on bent grass over the past 50 rounds. I ran a recalculated par 4 category to mimic Wilmington for 15, 15%. Sorry, That is going to be your whole ranges plus specific proximity totals. Weighted par 5 for 12.5%. That included par 5 birdie or better, distance, and long iron proximity. Uh, While I do think that this is going to be a birdie course, I did infuse 10% into some scrambling metrics like three-putt avoidance, uh, GIR percentage out of the bunker, around the green, a couple things that went into that. Now, I will say I don't love that category as a whole because I feel like this course is going to be a birdie fest, which means we are looking in the wrong stats or at the wrong stats if we are trying to avoid mistakes. But it's a small total there that I at least wanted to look at. I have 10% on weighted total driving. 
I did go a little flatter than expected. I know I keep saying bomb and gouge, but I didn't want to completely over inflate distance by adding it multiple times. And then I wrapped it up with total driving again, plus a combination of proximity out of the rough. So that is going to be me trying to pinpoint golfers that are going to hit it into a section, play it from there. Now you could also add, and I have it in my model for anybody that wants to do it. I do have GIR percentage out of bunkers. And that's one of the things I put into, if you want to call it a scrambling metric there, but that's another way to look at it. But uh, I'm essentially trying to find golfers that are going to be able to create distance. I'm trying to find golfers that are then able to use that distance, whether that be from the rough, from a bunker, from wherever that might be. And then, you know, maybe a little bit of three putt percentage and all of that that goes into the mix from there. If you don't have the attention span and you tuned out like in the middle of that, because sometimes I do that, even though like every granular piece of information is really important. He literally just summed up his model in the last five seconds of the dissertation he just gave. So for those of you that are super lazy like myself, you can just focus on the last like couple of points he just made, because that that's probably going to be the well-rounded golfer that's going to uh and, and the long golfer that's going to win this tournament. So um, I do want to point something out before we go to the actual draft. So um, Justin's in here. He says, let's make some money, boys. And then, of course, Lindsay's like, hey, wait a minute. Girls, too, followed by seven exclamation mm -hmm. points. I just want to point out, I think it's a good time to point out that with football season coming, we actually have like a few girls in our in our Discord too. Uh, Yama Yamazaki is or Yamakazi. I can't remember how she does it. Um, she's, she's the big Fraser fan. She um is in our chat too. So my point is, we do have at thewindailysports.com. We do have gentlemen and ladies, and we do have a free article that Sticks Picks just posted. Sticks Picks from the Better Golf Pod that he just posted to windailysports.com. It's literally free. And oh by the way, Windailysports Sports is literally free across all sports for the next month. So if you know anybody that wants to get involved and they, they don't subscribe to a site, you can literally go to Windaily Sports right now and subscribe for a month for free. And what that means is you're getting all the NFL content, you're getting all the NASCAR content, the Major League Baseball content, the golf content, you name it. That's Discord, that's articles, that's projection models. That's the things that might help you for your redraft, your fantasy football draft, things of that nature. So um, whether you're a boy or you're a girl, man or a woman, um, we are the place for you and, and we're doing it for free right now, which is like super cool, especially this time of year when we're getting ramped up for football as well. And for the next month, that also comes with 100% guaranteed return on investment. Oh yeah. It's absolutely guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. There's that's math. Yeah. That's it's guaranteed. You're going to profit. So, so you're welcome. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but before we dive into the draft, feel free to smash the like button, give us a follow. Um, you're going to be getting some good details in the near future. So just, you know, a little I scratch your back, you scratch my tip situation. <laughs> but without further ado, I do have to, I, I almost, I didn't almost forget, but I do have to congratulate the audience on a heck of a draft last week. You guys deserved it. You guys did a great team. You came out with the W and your reward is the first overall pick. Congratulations. You're on the plot. Get your nominations in right now. Seriously, like now, hurry up. You're already behind. Um, and without further ado, we're going to kick this draft off. Here we go. Be a fun week. All right. Audience, you are on the clock. The fact that there hasn't been a nomination yet <laughs> is concerning. <laughs> um, all right. There we go. Oh, we got a few. Oh, Cam Smith. That's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. So we actually have a lot of nominations, but we don't have a second yet. As far as I can tell, I, I like a couple of these a lot. I'm really hoping somebody, okay. It's John Rom. Uh, Brent Harris and Charlie have gone with John Rom. That is going to be the first 
Oh, it still says C audience. So I still feel like an affiliation here. That's why I was kind of pulling for a certain pick. But John Rahm is going to be your first pick. Um, David, let me go to you since you're, you're, you're the hottest man on the planet right now, both uh, physically striking and with your picks. Uh, tell us what you think of Rahm this week. Obviously, he got, he got a little hot, back to form a little bit last week. Is it enough for you to put him in your pool, though? He did. I, look, I was I was very close on Ram. I mean, when we're looking at, at the courses, uh, Spence alluded to, um, off the tee is going to be a huge factor this week with some of the length of some of these holes. Um, so, so I was very, very close um, on Ram. I didn't end up going that way. Um, big part. Uh, big pop last week on approach so um, it was a boosted performance and, and we sort of saw a little bit with his putter as well finally coming back um, bear in mind I mean if he's going to make a run at this thing he's he's really got to move this week because he's I, th- I think he's like 14th maybe on the FedEx Cup standing so he's a little down the rankings compared to where we would expect him to be um, so if he is going to make a run of it th- this would be the week to do it um, as I said there, there were a couple other options that I probably preferred in that range personally um, but yeah look I, I think there's a strong case to be made for Ram and, and he does look like he's he's returning he kind of quietly went about his business last week and, and was fantastic over the weekend particularly. Hey, Joel and Spencer, real quick, rapid fire before we get to David's pick. So, David, you're essentially on the clock. But with, with the 10K range, we have we have five guys, or I should say, yeah, five guys now that are or four that are 10K or above. I don't want you to disclose any, like, trade secrets here. But is Rom, Joel, I'll go to you first. Is Rom in, in your top two of the 10K range and above? Well, the maybe not that surprising thing I'll say is there's a – I haven't fully finalized my roster yet. There's a chance I don't play anyone in the 10K range this week. That Fair might enough. be a full fade for me. Yeah. Uh, if I were to – Rom's up there, maybe one or two. Okay. Uh, Spencer, same question. I would probably – section, he is number one. You could make an argument in my mind that Rom might be number one in this entire field. Oh, here we go, audience. Now we're talking. All right, David, it's on you, buddy. Yeah, and uh, Sia, there's going to be no surprises here. We know we, – we both know which direction I'm going with this one. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to take uh, Joaquin Neiman with the, mm-hmm. uh, the first pick of the draft. Um, when, I, when I look at the $8,000 range, Neiman is the name that jumps out quite clearly um, in that ranking for me. Um, I, I think because of that, he is he is going to see a lot of ownership. I've seen his name a lot this week. Uh, the, the reason being is he, he gained seven strokes on approach last week. He had a massive pop. Um, when we're looking at, at the course here, it is a type of course where you're going to need to move the ball both directions. Um, Neiman's great at that. His iron play is outstanding on his day. Highly, highly talented. As as Spencer's mentioned before, you know, he's, he's an extremely talented golfer who at one of these stages is going to go and win one of these events. He's only 23 as well, bear that in mind. Other thing I'll point out is um, Birdie will better percentage at 200 yards plus. Um, he ranks six on the uh, on the tour for the season, and I do think there is going to be um, a, there is going to be a disproportionate number of shots over 200 yards. So, on a typical course, we'd expect about three and a half um, strokes to be hit from 200 yards plus. On this course, we're sort of thinking six and a half to seven strokes. So, there, there is going to be a waiting on those 200 plus irons um, coming in, and, and Neiman excels in that area as well. Yeah, that would have been, um, I know Zach and Lindsay nominated Neiman, but Lindsay's uh, nomination came in right after Rom's second one. That, that would have been my first pick as well. I do like him. He's the only outright I've actually bet so far. And it was only because he was 40 to one when I got him and everybody else is so short. You know, everybody in the top 15 is so short. So he seemed like the best value on the board from an outright standpoint. 
Um, with that said, uh, Spencer, before we get to your pick, I'm just curious, are, are you as fond of Neiman as it seems like we are, or is he further down your board from a value standpoint? I'm more indifferent on him. Now, that doesn't mean I don't like him as a player. I, I, I think that, you know, from a public perception, and we'll get to my pick in a second here, which is going to even go more extreme with it, but from a public perception, he's going to be a popular play. And that doesn't mm-hmm. mean I don't like him. Uh, there's just a golfer that is right near him in price that I happen to like more. All right. So it's your turn. So who's it going to be? So I'm going to take the most projected ownership player on the board at this moment, or at least you can, I mean, it's going to be first or second, depending on what it is. You can make an argument that one guy might be a little bit higher, but I'm going to take Cameron Young at 8,900. And uh, Cameron Young for me, and this is a very similar situation that we saw with Will Zalatoris last week, where Yes, the public was all over Zalatoris, whether that be from DFS or from an outright perspective. I trusted my model with him and took him with my first pick. I'm going to do the same thing with Cameron Young this week. So, you know, I'm looking at about 22%, which I do want to note that all these percentages for everybody will be heightened just because there's only 69 players in the tournament. And that's one thing that everybody needs to keep in mind, even from an outright betting perspective, because I've seen that talked about a lot in this space you know, from an actual hold percentage. And now some of these books are getting a little bit ridiculous with it, but from an actual hold percentage, when these numbers released, it was actually a better betting board, even with all these guys being sub 20 to one than we've gotten in some of these tournaments. So just something to keep in mind. And next week, you're going to see this come into play again to where there's probably going to be, I don't know, four guys that end up being seven and a half to one or less to win that tournament. And then you're going to get boosts from there from that. But just to talk about Cameron Young for one second before I move on, uh, number two in my model for weighted tee to green. He's number two in my recalculated par four scoring. He's number four in the reweighted par five scoring. Number two for total driving and number one when taking total driving plus rough proximity. I'm kind of just expecting him to bomb it into places and then he's going to be able to have the rough proximity from there to create makeable looks. Now, I don't know if he can actually make enough looks to win the tournament, but I like the opportunities that I believe he's going to be able to create for himself. Can before we move to Joel's back-to-back picks, can you tell me where Cameron Young? I know Cameron Young's super popular. I'm sure Neiman's right below, but I, I haven't looked at ownership percentages. Are Cameron Young and Joaquin Neiman in the top five? Right so, now, so yeah, Cameron Young is two. Joaquin Neiman is seventh. Um, I mean, that's okay. not so insane. I mean, that's definitely if you like him. I think there's a reason where you can get to him, but um, I don't know. I mean, to me, my decision was Cameron Young. I'm not saying that's the right decision necessarily, but. That's what my model believed. But there, Cam, or Joaquin Neiman, sorry, isn't so extreme to where you can't find a way to put him into a build, even if it was with Cam Young. Like, there's ways to get different always. You yeah. can go in different areas. All right, Joel, back-to-back picks. What do you got? All right. So one of my favorite – I think my favorite play this week, my number one favorite play, is going to be my first pick, and that is Scotty Scheffler. Oh, my Ooh. God, No. Love how much they are disrespecting his price tag. Uh, this is a guy who, for 15 weeks in a row, was the number one, maybe at worst, two priced golfer in every field we saw. Um, you know, maybe his results are slightly regressed a little bit recently, but this isn't someone that's so far off that I feel like he should have dropped down to the sixth or seventh lowest priced guy. Um, and to be able to kind of build a balanced roster and getting Scotty Scheffler at this price just feels like a great, great number. So I just love the value we're getting here on Scotty. And the ownership, it's a little, you know, it, it looks a little high for a normal week. But again, I think that's because it's a smaller field compared to everyone else. I don't think his ownership is, is going to be 
exerted mentor. I'm happy to, to take him there. And the way I'll balance him out is the follow-up pick. Um, <laughs> this is a great comment. From I just love it when Joel messes up. We are talking <laughs> trash here in the audience. I'll tell you that much. All right, let's see if we can make Carmen happy with your second picture. Uh, with my second pick, so the way I'm going to average out and, and really show some uniqueness is I'm going to go with Xander Shoffley. Another, another one, a guy who disappointed last week. I think the people are going to be down on the ownership. Down. This is a week where that ownership being down might be extra valuable because it's a smaller field. And because people will be coming into the same guys, now I can get different. I think he can certainly get me a top five this week. Uh, and I love that people are tend to be going away from him because he didn't do well. Like they, I'm happy to buy uh, or kind of buy low, if you will, based on last week's results. Yeah. I, I, I never cuss. I never go on podcasts and cuss. This will be my one time I'm cussing on a show. What a fucking shit show. <laughs> like, this is horrible. First job, like, there's there's four players that I wanted to make sure I got two of them. I wanted John Ron, Cameron Young, Scotty Scheffler, or Xander Shoffley if all else, all else failed with it. Wow. Well, there you have it. Sorry, Spencer. I guess you're stuck with uh, – is James Hahn in the field? You could – no, probably not James Hahn. <laughs> Uh, what do you got, though? What do you got with your next pick? All right. Um, I guess I will go to a chalky area, and I'll go with a player that I wanted exposure to that I didn't get an outright bet on. So I'll get a little bit of exposure this way. I'll take Sung J M at 9,100. I like where the form's trending with him. 12th place at the St. Jude, second at the Wyndham, second at the 3M Open. He's a player that seems to get hot in bunches. He's top 10 in my model for weighted T to green. He's 11th in strokes gain total on bent. He's in the top six for me in my par four recalculation. Now, like I keep saying, I'm not necessarily trying to build a tournament where bogey avoidance is something I'm looking at, but he is number one for me when it comes to bogey avoidance. I think you can make an argument that maybe he doesn't make enough birdies necessarily, but we've also seen him at these birdie tracks where he gets catches fire in bunches with it. So I like the total driving. I like the rough proximity. This isn't necessarily like I was going to go extremely boom or bust with it and try to fit him into a lineup too. But I guess we'll go with Cam Young and Sungjae Im. And at that point, I don't really know where I want to go from there. Okay. For the record, I do love the Sungjae pick. I mean, he has been on fire since losing over 10 strokes four tournaments ago. He's gained almost four over four and two and a half strokes putting. And oh, by the way, the ball striking his last three tournaments. I mean, he's gained it over the last four, but. I'll just give you the last four, uh, dating to, to the, late, the latest one. Uh, three strokes, ten and a half strokes, six and a half strokes, almost five strokes. I mean, there's very few guys that are hotter than him. In fact, I don't think there's anybody hotter than him in the last 12 to 16 rounds, even, uh, even Tony Fee now. So, yeah, I, I have no problem. I think the price on Sung JM is – I think he could be 9,700 easy, and I wouldn't blink. Yeah, I, I do like this pick a lot, and he would be the fifth person that I was trying to fit into lineups, but – it just makes roster construction a lot more difficult from there when a lot of the players that I wanted to go along with those two are now off the board. Yep. All right, David, it's on you. Yeah, look, I, I like the uh, the Sanjay pick as well, Spence. Um, look, I, I think he's been quietly excellent off the tee as well. I think that gets missed a bit as well as his distance off the tee and the actual tee is excellent. So, so don't mind the, the pick there despite uh, – 
you having to pivot and, um, you know, God forbid, cuss on the show. Um, I'm going to go right to the, the tip top of the board for my next pick. I'm taking uh, Rory McIlroy at uh, 10 5. Uh, I'm curious, David, do, does last week scare you at all? I mean, he's a primetime player, probably shouldn't, but he was a little wayward in, in a couple of areas. Do you have just any, any take on that, just in general, in terms of how it might apply to this week, if at all? Yeah, um, my my only take would be that he commented he hasn't touched his clubs for, for two weeks and, and lay in bed eating fast food. I mean, that you know, I, I, I'm not surprised if there's some rust and he's so excellent off the tee that I, I really don't read anything into the mm-hmm. fact that that's where he, he lost his strokes. I also don't think last week was the best test for him in terms of the course layout. I mean, if, if Rory can um, lose strokes anywhere, it's going to be on his driving accuracy, right? Like, I mean, he can push it right um, occasionally. Um, so, I mean, on, on a course where driving accuracy is imperative, Know, to to see him perhaps struggle a little bit more off the off the tee is is not overly concerning. Well, what I'd say as well in terms of my research into the courses they've done, I, I really compare this track to a Quail Hollow. That's that's where I, I draw a lot of parallels in terms of the way that the course sets up in terms of being a seventy five hundred yard par seventy one. Rory's won Quail Hollow three times. Um, the the other course that I'd look at was Trump uh, Trump National Doral also very comparable to here, and he's got an excellent record around there as well. Oh, and by the way, along with those three ones, he's got a runner-up there as well at Quail Hollow. So, look, I, I expect him to, to play extremely well. I thought he was massive value at 13s when he opened, and, and he's going to feature at the end of the show as well. Love it. Uh, it looks like the audience has already named their two nominations, or I should say our two nominations, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, audience, but it looks like Taylor Pendrith and Matt Fitzpatrick have been nominated uh, properly with two nominations each from by the audience. Uh, if I'm wrong, I know Taylor Pendrith was one of them. I'm positive about that one. Um, Carmen saying Mito. I think I don't think Mito was the second one that got nominated. I think it was Matt Fitzpatrick. So let's put that in until we hear otherwise. Oh, and by the way, Joel, Carmen wasn't talking smack about your pick, as it turns out. She was trying, he, excuse me, was trying to say that uh, he likes it when you steal Spencer's pick. So messes up Spencer's pick is the, is, is how he wanted to finish that sentence. So anyway, so Spencer, again, that, that's on you. And Lindsay, uh, let's see, it was back nine bets, Byron, who had a funny comment. Also love the one time only, but a double <laughs> barrel cuss casserole what I do. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So um, Joel, any, any thoughts on Taylor Pendrith or Matt Fitzpatrick here? Uh, I like both. Uh, I was actually hoping Fitzpatrick would get back to me. Um, you know, Fitzpatrick's been just the definition of consistent. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy's been top tening left and right. Even when he doesn't top tening, getting a 13 or a 12 or whatever. Like, he's there week in, week out. Um, you know, he doesn't really have a weakness. And getting him at 9500 I actually think he should be priced probably in that 10K range the way he's been playing recently. So, um, I really love the Fitzpatrick pick. Um and with Pendrith, I mean, for a guy we were looking for value, I think you're getting it there with Pendrith. So I think the audience did a really good job here. Yeah, I think you're getting upside too. Everybody keep in mind this is a no-cut event. So, I mean, Taylor Pendrith is the type of guy that could potentially have a bad day like he did, I believe, on Sunday of this last tournament. But, you know, he's he's good for four or five birdies and an eagle on any given day. So I think um, the frame of mind of kind of like high-risk, high-reward golfer uh, is, is something that you're going to want to incorporate into this tournament. And what I'll add is, Carmen, we're going to get him again next round. 
<laughs> That's so great. Well, oh. I, I, I want to add one thing to that very quickly. And I mean, this might just have to be a rated R show at some point with this. So the three players, and I'm not kidding. Like, as everybody knows, I, I, do, I don't hold punches. If I like a play, I like a play. If I don't like a play, I always make it clear that I don't like the play for whatever the reason is. I love the Rory pick. I think 10,500 is way too cheap for him. I think anytime you get him at a tree line course, he's in play. He was somebody I was considering. Uh, Taylor Pendrith was going to be the next pick I was going to make. So that now sabotages even more. And I don't know what I was going to do with Matthew Fitzpatrick, but I do like the play. I think Fitzpatrick is the definition of safe. And I don't know if at a no-cut tournament, maybe you want a little bit more upside than that. But I like Fitzpatrick. He certainly wasn't an option that I was considering. So... Uh, pretty much every pick that has been made so far, like even with the Neiman pick, I like the. Ne I wish I had a chance to take Neiman now at this point with everything that was going. So I like every single pick that has been made. Spencer's player pool is like depleted. There's probably like he's probably hanging on to like one guy that's actually in his player pool. The one other thing I'll say about Matt's, Matt Fitzpatrick, and I think uh, Rick Gaiman alluded to this on Monday on his 300 Yards to Unknown uh, podcast. But, you know, when you're going to a course where there's an unknown because we don't have course history, we think we know what the course lines up like, but we're not 100 percent sure. Nobody is. I think it's good to lean on a guy who's good at everything, like Joel was talking about. We we know Matt Fitzpatrick checks all the boxes, and there are some golfers in this field that do that. So, it, you know, it, it is. it sounds like a safe play, but it also sounds like a smart play to take a guy that, okay, if we're wrong about the, the course assessment, oh, okay, Matt Fitzpatrick can handle that. We, he's, he's good at everything. He doesn't just rely on this thing and this thing. So I think there's something to be said for that on a brand new course. Sneaky long off the tee now as well. I mean, he's yeah. just he's gained so much driving distance this season. I mean, he, he's done a lot of work in that space. So, you know, if, if we're looking at a course where distance is a factor, I think there's still some members of the uh, of the public that think Matt Fitzpatrick is short. He's not. He, he is decently long off the tee. <laughs> uh, Ivan has it, David, as we wait for your pick. The draft cast is one part drafting a good team and one part trying to mess <laughs> up the other three. Yeah. Man, that's a hundred percent true, as <laughs> as backed up by all of us and Byron in here in the chat. This chat is on fire. If you haven't already hit the like button, we have some new audience members here. Go ahead and hit that like button. We got a lot of likes so far. Let's let's get it up. Uh, David, it's on you. What do we got? It is. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go grab some uh, value uh, with this third pick, and I'm gonna take uh, Cam Davis at seven thousand six hundred with my uh, my next pick. We look at uh, last week, I, I included him in some DFS lines because he was just incredibly undervalued and, and he ended up playing really, really well. Um, last week, second round, he, he shot a one over 71, but other than that, he was 67, 67, 66. Um, fair few birdie streaks in there as well. Plenty of distance off the tee, which I love. Um, in terms of approach, um, so par three, 200 to 225 yards. I think that's going to be key to scoring this week. There's three par threes within that range. Um, he's 38th on tour uh, for the season. Approach over 200 yards for proximity. He's 29th for the season. And then booty will be a percentage for 200 plus yards. He's 42nd for the season as well for the tour. So he's ticking a ton of boxes for me. Um, look, and, he, and he's incredibly hot. He's, he's coming in here off... Um, sixth at the Barracuda, 16th at the 3M, 14th at Rock and Mortgage, and then 13th at the playoff last week. The other thing I mentioned in terms of the FedEx Cup standing points, 
is that currently he's 52nd. I mean, he he's really, he's going to need to get a top five finish to make it to the Tour Championship next week. He's a young, ambitious golfer with huge talent. Um, so I expect him to be really going out there and firing at pins and, and going for that one. David, uh, everybody was distracted by your excellent Cameron Davis pick because of the size of your water bottle. So can you, show, can you show it to us again? Because I haven't even seen it. I, I've, oh my, okay. That's like, what is it's that? It's like perspective titanium? though, right? Like if it's closer to the camera, it looks bigger. It's like, you know, it's like your, your wing view mirror when you're on, uh, when you're in your car. And oh, I've, and I've, I've screwed up the board with my, uh, with my water bottle somehow. Oh no, Joel! Joel just left somehow. I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened there. Um, Did he take Paul Casey again? Well, he took our board, unfortunately. So he'll <laughs> he'll hop back on. And he'll hop back on in a He's second. I'm sure. he, he was is. thinking. He thought about Hideki Matsuyama, and he left. <laughs> he, he was like, "I got to go get some water." <laughs> um, so as we put I up feel- the- Go ahead, David. I, I feel that Joel, Joel, this is the second time that's happened to Joel. The other time, Paul Casey made the cut <laughs> quite well. I think it's his like anti karma to stop his golfers withdrawing as he he quits out of the draft at some point and it puts some voodoo on his picks to not withdraw for a change. Yeah, it's like a jinx. It's like a reverse yeah. jinx. He withdraws yeah. so his players can't withdraw. Exactly. Joel, do you have access to the board to put it back up? I do. Yes, 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 yes. Also, you said Delaware was your old stomping ground. Tell us more. Are you from there? I went to college in Delaware. Um, Charlie also went to Delaware. And Charlie's daughter is going to Delaware in a month for the first time. So listen, we're all – this is a hometown tournament, right? The giraffe cast, we reside in Delaware. Even though it's the first tournament there, this is a hometown field. Um, okay, first of all, the audience is on fire tonight, particularly <laughs> Byron, uh, aka Model Maniac, who probably just recorded a show that you all should watch immediately after this show. Byron, I have a suggestion for you. It's actually more for us, not so much you. I think you should do like a two to three minute stand up comedy sketch and post it on Twitter. Maybe tag us too, because like we sort of spawned the idea, but you're so funny. You're always funny. That's like part of the reason your show is so great that you put on your Twitter page among other places, YouTube, I'm sure. I'm telling you, dude, like that would be so awesome if you just did like a quick stand-up routine. I think it would be so on point. So I don't know. So that's me getting distracted. Spencer, it's on you. Do you have any players to pick to like, are, do you have any picks left or are you just going to quit? Are you going to pull a Joel Watergate? I'm close to quitting. I, I'm like scrolling tr- through trying to figure out who I'm going to take at this point and figure out. And it's unfortunately the one show that we have probably ever done where I was not prepared for a backup plan with it. Like normally I try to put myself in a spot where I was like, all right, I'll get two of those four players. I'll get somebody of Sung JM and you know, whoever else it ends up being, but uh, I have one pick and it's going to be a problem coming back. Cause I don't know what I'm going to do, but I have managed to make one selection and it is going to be Corey Connors at 8,300 and Connors is a golfer that my model continues to like, no matter how I run the data. And, it hasn't necessarily worked, and he hasn't been terrible. I mean, a 28th at the St. Jude, a 21st at the Wyndham, but he jumps in the top five for me when I run this for upside, and for one of the reasons, he's fourth in weighted tee to green, so that's taking the total driving plus the weighted proximity that I'm running. He's 13th in strokes gain total on bent grass. Now, if we want to look at some of the putting metrics, like he doesn't necessarily get any better. He stays flat from where he is when we're just looking from a two-year baseline at any course, but, you know, that's fine. I mean, Connors, we're not purchasing him or buying him into a lineup for his putting we're buying it for the ball striking and i 
you know, seventh from re-weighted par four recalculation for me. He's third in GIR percentage. Now, these are really large greens. You could make an argument that that either helps potentially or maybe it hurts potentially. And that's going to be found later on in the week when the course actually gets played. But I like Corey Connors' upside. I do think at 11%, there is leverage that can still be created there. So I'll just make a flatter build this week and take Connors at that price. I'm sure the audience is disappointed because I feel like they like to take Connors like every single show. Um, but I, I don't have a problem with Connors. He's not really in my pool right now, but I, I don't have an argument against him. Joel or David, are either of you super high or super low on Corey Connors or just kind of indifferent? Uh, I mean, the only comment I make about the putting with Connors is that, you know, we've got these comically large greens this week at 8,100 square feet. Um, in terms of approach putt performance, Connors actually rates out 42nd. So in terms of the lag putting, he's actually not bad. Um, and he's also um, scores incredibly well at par threes in that 200, 225 yard. He's 11th on tour for that um, metric as well. So I do think that's going to be really important in terms of putting a score together. So um, look, I, I think there's some merit to the pick there. And, um, you know, thanks, Spence, for putting him on my radar. All right. Uh, Joel, you've got back-to-back picks. Go ahead. What do you got? All right. So my first pick, I'm going to boost up some value in that I've taken two of my higher-priced guys, and I'm going to go with Trey Mullinax. Uh, Trey Mullinax gave us a top five last week. If you're talking about someone who gets distance and that's being a priority for this week, he certainly has that. And the all-around game has been there for him. I mean, he's been just gaining strokes everywhere, maybe not significantly, but the fact that he's really playing well in all aspects of the game, um, you know, I just think, you know, for this price, someone who's kind of checking all those boxes is just a really good number for him. And then I'm going to follow up the Mullinax pick, and I'm deciding which route I want to go because I want to be safe in ensuring that I get all the guys uh, that I'm looking for. So... Let me think this through. All right, I'm going to go with Davis Riley. Uh, Davis Riley, again, we've seen it has a ton of upside. You know, when he gets it right, um, you know, he can get you a top 10. The driver looked really good last week. The one area with Riley that we need him to see a little improvement on is on his irons. Uh, but he did have – he looked like he was coming around to that last week, toward the end of the week. Uh, and he kind of fluctuates week in without. If he gets a hot week with his irons, I think he'll certainly compete this week. I like the Davis Riley pick. I'll I'll throw that out there. That was on the short list of options. And I'll let somebody else respond because I don't have a pick right now and I'm trying to figure that out. But uh, I like the Riley. Selection. I think Riley's interesting. I'm assuming his ownership isn't isn't super high. He's not a name that people have been attached to over the last couple of weeks, whereas four or five weeks ago, it was a different story. So I think he's a pretty sneaky play, especially in a no-cut event. We know he can pop. Um, so yeah, I like the pick. David, uh, oh, thoughts on Davis Riley? Uh, I'm okay with Davis Riley. I'm more upset at the fact that Trey Mullinax has been snatched from under my feet again. Um, yeah, look, I, I tipped him last week at 251. I mean, he's coming to 125 now in the betting markets, but I mean, it's a it's a reduced field. Um, I think Joel actually shot down Trey Mullinax last week, so that's doubly rude that he's taken him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I really like Trey Mullinax as a value this week. I, I just kind of thought that I could get him a bit later in this draft. Um, Mullinax gets a, a hard time for the putting. He's third on tour for approach putt performance. Hmm. So if we're thinking about these huge greens where lag putting is going to be important, 
he's right up there at the the top of that leaderboard. Um, other one, Birdie will be a percentage, 200 yards plus, 32nd. Approaches from 200 plus, 33rd. So I, I'm super hot on Melanax this week. I just think it's huge value and, and 6,200's a bargain. So, um, yeah, I mean, Davis Riley, well done, Joel, but doubly well done on Melanax. And, and real quick before Spencer finally picks, um, when you say approach putt performance, uh, just so just so I can clarify for the audience, correct me if I'm wrong here, David, but you're talking about lag putting, and we're talking about lag putting because these greens are massive, way more massive than most of the greens we see week to week. So lag putting, putting from distance is going to be really important. So that's that with the approach putt performance, that's sort of encapsulated there, correct? Yeah, so so I mean the, the greens are eight to one hundred square feet, which the only other course that's really comparable. I mean St Andrews obviously, but we don't go there every year. The the other ones, Plantation, have these these huge greens as well. Um, approach putt performance is basically with your first putt, how much distance left for your second putt following that first putt. So um, has to be on greens that that um, you know the distance is laser tracked per usual. But yeah, once you've hit the first putt. What distance have you got left? Um, on our average, Mullinax has got two feet. Wow, that's strong. All right, uh, Spencer, what do we got? All right, I'm going to go another route that I wasn't uh, planning on going, and you can even hear my thoughts. Like I, right before we did this show, I filmed Better Golf Pod, and I was indifferent on this player. And unfortunately, all the players that I did like seem to have been taken at this point. But it will pigeonhole me a little bit with where I can go, but it also opens up some things and we can get into that later in the show based off of what decision I make. But I will take Russell Henley at 7,800. Now I worry about the putting with him. Uh, he's almost dead last in my model on bent grass. The three putt percentage does increase a little bit when I throw that into the mix. The par five scoring isn't exactly what I would want to see, but uh, there's a lot that my model does like from an upside perspective. And if we're saying this is a no cut tournament, Maybe I can take some of that upside currently, and you know he's going to be sub eight percent at where I have him right now. So I don't love the pick. There's a lot of routes I probably would rather go than him, but I do think he provides what I'm looking for with the way that this roster has been built so far. And um, you know, for better or worse, I'm kind of in this position now where that has to be the decision. I can't, I can't go, I can't take players that have already been taken, unfortunately. So in the interest of saving time, because we want to get to David's pick and then the audience nominations, I'm just going to say, Joel, yes or no on Henley? Yes. David, yes or no on Henley? No. I'm a no as well. Sorry, Spencer. But listen, I, I was I terrible. I was terrible last week. So what, what, what do I know? That's why I'm banning myself for one week. A one week ban. <laughs> okay, David, it's on you. What do we got? And well-deserved as well. Um. <laughs> So, someone I think a lot of players are sleeping on this week. I'm, I'm going to go Maverick McNeely. Hmm. I think McNeely's massive value. Um, I mean, we're, we're looking at a tournament that has no cut, so that's a massive positive for McNeely in the first part. But this guy scores birdies and bunches, right? So if we're looking at the DFC scoring, um, he, he's in the top 10 for the season in terms of birdie or better. Um, birdie or better percentage, 200-plus yards. He's 11th um, on tour. Last week, it was actually a really strong performance. Um, he, other than one round, he shot five over in one round. The other rounds, he was 11 under. So I think that's fine under the radar a little bit as well. He's been cut in massively. He opened at 100 to 1. He's now at 60 to 1 in terms of the betting markets. So, um, look, he, he holds a lot of appeal for me. And I think he's a really solid core that you could base your picks around in terms of the fact he's going to deliver you a bunch of birdies and a bunch of eagles, regardless of where he finishes on the leaderboard. 
Yeah, I think that's interesting. I mean, he's, his putter's been hot. The ball striking hasn't been great, but that doesn't mean he hasn't been a good ball striker. And to David's point, the fact that he was great for three rounds and terrible for one is actually kind of perfect for this particular setup. I, I totally get it. Yeah, and, um, I mean, he, he popped last week on approach, though, as well. It was his best mm-hmm. approach week since the Valero Texas Open in April. Mm-hmm. I just want to quickly point out, I, I don't want to quote Nick on this, but I think if you were to ask Nick who his favorite play on the board is, when it comes to value, I think his answer would probably be Maverick McNeely. All right. Awesome. All right. We already have some nominations coming in, and I'm trying to track them now. Okay. Is, did this guy get a second? Yeah. It looks like uh, Emiliano Grillo has been nominated and confirmed. So Model Maniac and Justin Bailey have nominated him. And then we have – do we have a second on any of these other guys? It doesn't – we've got a lot of other nominations, but – it doesn't look like we have a second on anybody else, unless I'm missing something. Oh, okay. Brian Harmon. Unless I miss something, it looks like Brian Harmon would be the second guy. I think Harmon's kind of sneaky. Um, I don't I don't really love him this tournament, but I, I, I don't mind it. He played really well last week. Anybody have an opinion on, on Brian Harmon? I like him. I think he's one of those guys in that 7K range that – Gives you top 10 upside, right? A lot of these guys just don't do enough things well to really be top 10, right? Harmon can do an everything well. He can putt hot. He can do it around the green. He gets a hot iron. So um, is he safe? No. I mean, he could also be like 50th, but he gets a hot week. He can give you a top 10. So he'll be someone that'll be in my player pool for sure. Mm-hmm. I like Harmon a little bit myself. Um I mean, is it the first player I'm going to go to? No, but I, I like the Griot Harmon takes. Like I- I'm, there are certainly options I'm considering in my player pool. Yeah, he certainly popped on approach last week, and the putter has been pretty hot. So, I mean, I think it's a uh, – he feels like kind of a dart throw on this course a little bit, but that's okay in, in a tournament setup. I'm assuming his ownership is way down the board. On Harmon, it is uh, 5.1%. Yeah, so it's, a, it's certainly a good tournament play. Um, anybody have any strong thoughts on Grill? I've been on him the last few weeks. I do like him. I think he tends to fade, especially in this sort of field. I, I don't, I, I can see him putting a couple rounds together, but four great rounds in this field, I'm not so sure. Um, I'll just go real quick on this one. I'll start with Joel. Joel, is Grillo in your player pool? He is. And I do want to give her a reason why. The one mm-hmm. thing I'm higher on Grillo than normal, because he's making putts. This yeah, guy normally is. can't putt. And if he found something with that putter, then he's a better golfer because that was his biggest weakness. So if that's mm-hmm. something that he's found, then then I like him. Yeah, David, same question. Yeah, I mean, brave of the, the audience to go straight back to him because uh, 31st, he probably underlivered a little bit on terms of uh, what had been promising uh, leading up. I, I'd say his record at Quail Hollow is surprisingly good. It was 14th last year at Quail Hollow, and then in 2018 uh, was his previous appearance there. Um, he finished ninth around there. So, um, look, I know that on his day, you can be excellent with his approach that faded a little bit last week. That's a small concern for me. But, you know, I mean, well spotted in the fact he's now gained on putting for the last um, four tournaments, which typically is a weakness for him. Right. Yeah, and I'll just quickly say I have Grio in a matchup against Denny McCarthy. And he's one of three players, so he is one. Uh, Connors would be one, and then the other player has not been picked yet, so I'm going to withhold on saying that player. That would rank inside the top 20 of this field for overall proximity, total driving plus rough proximity, and then the outlier scrambling metrics that I did run. So uh, I like Rio. All right. Um, David, we got two more picks to go. What's the next one? 
We do, yeah. I'm going to go with uh, same same kind of metrics I've been looking at, which uh, distance off the tee, performance at uh, Quail Hollow as a, as a comp course as well, and I'm going to take Keith Mitchell. All right. I've heard so some. Keith, I've heard some buzz on him. Go on though. Yeah, so Keith Mitchell's gained on the poach for his last three tournaments. Um, Quail Hollow's got an excellent record. So he had a third there uh, last year, an eighth in 2019 and the 34th in 2018 when he was kind of starting off on tour. Um, he, he's an excellent driver of the golf ball. He's got plenty of distance um, off the tee. Um, this, this is the kind of event that I can see him playing well, especially with his, uh, his performances at other comp courses. Yeah, I, I, I like the Keith Mitchell play. He was on the short list of options I was considering, and I'm kind of thankful now that I took the Russell Henley route just because to know that he wasn't going to make it back to me would have really left me no choices. Like, I would have been stuck. Like, I really would have just left the show at that point. So, uh, <laughs> everybody, it's, it's beneficial that for myself that I get to stay here. Uh, I get to make the lineup. So, I, I like the play. All right. Uh, speaking of plays that you might like, you've got the next pick. So I'm going to take a player that is not in good form right now. It's a player that I know, at least from an outright perspective, that markets don't necessarily love. He seems to be trending in the wrong direction. Uh, but my model likes him. And I am going to take Shane Lowry at 8,700. So he is number one for me in this tournament when it comes to my reweighed strokes gain T2 green. Uh, that is going to take a heavy emphasis on proximity. It's also going to take the total driving, which he ranks 12th for me. He's the number one player in this field when it comes to GIR out of bunkers. Uh, he's eighth for me when I just take total driving plus rough proximity. He's also number one for just the proximity range, which is what boosted him so high up into my model. But I like him this week. It's a no-cut tournament. It's like I'm willing to take some shots on some of these guys where I don't know exactly what the floor is from, but I know that I need four rounds and I want a player that can make birdies. And yeah, Shane Lowry isn't necessarily that player that you usually look for to make birdies in bunches, but think it's a good course for him yeah i don't mind that coming off some some bad off the tee performances his last two and obviously wasn't great last week but we know the caliber of, of player shane lowry is i think he was 8300 last week i played him a lot last week and you know certainly underperformed but 8300 last week 8700 this week I, I still think you're getting a pretty good deal especially considering spencer to your point he's not super popular so it's kind of he's kind of yeah. in a perfect spot to to scoop up right now um all right, so we are on Joel for, is it his last two picks? Yeah, Joel, what do we got? So we're ready to rock. I will say the last two rounds when I feel, I feel like Spencer, I, all the guys I was mapping out to take went. I have to reshuffle to who I was going to take three times over the last two rounds. But I feel good. I think I, I got to a place where I'm definitely going to win this week. So uh, Guaranteeing <laughs> victory? Are you yeah, guaranteeing victory? Guaranteed. That is a – that I'll even, I'll even go as far – that was easy. That's how. So you know, wow. you guys got to make it a little harder for me than this because courage. With my second to last pick, I'm getting Colin Morikawa. So he's pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to round this squad off with my last pick, and I'm going to take Sahith Tagala. Mm. Uh, now, Morikawa, you know, obviously he's great, right? He's got to make some putts this week. He's going to be one of the best iron players, as he always is. Uh, it's not much to say about Morikawa. I don't love his ownership, so keep an eye on that. I think that is getting high. But to get Morikawa at 9400 this is still a depressed price for someone with his as good as he is. So happy to grab him here. Um, 
the Thigala pick here, this is an upside pick, right? He could be horrible and, and burn me, but when we've seen Thigala's almost won a bunch of tournaments this year, and not just these JV watered-down tournaments. He's been competing in some tournaments where, you know, the Waste Men's where everyone's been playing, and, you know, all the, everything has, has been there. Like, he's good off the tee. His putting has been hot. He just needs to find his irons this week. If he gets hot with the irons, I think we'll see uh, him compete and get a top 10. So if that comes to, I think this team is staples button, lock it up. I got the victory. Actually, I really like the Theala pick. Is he popular at all? Not really. Um, so Spence, eight, what do you think? 8.7%. That would place him 29th overall. I, I love that. I mean, he's been a monster off the tee. He's gained eight, eight out of his last nine off the tee pretty significantly each time, by the way. Approaches hit or miss. That's okay. Like, you know, you, you'll either get the good Sahith, Sahith or you'll get the bad one. But the putter can get hot, too. I mean, I, I, I don't see a problem with this play. It's, it's actually the perfect setup, too, given the, the four rounds that – He's getting unless, of course, I, we know one of your players is going to withdraw. But if I had to, if I had to stack rank them, I, I'd probably. Oh yeah, he'd he'd probably be first actually. Yeah. So anyway, well, good luck, Joel, uh, with, that, with that guarantee. Uh, Spencer, it's on you. Does anybody? I'm sorry. Like I, we're kind of like running a little low on time. Anybody have a strong opinion about Sid? I think he's a great pick. Um, Spencer or David? He's not going to be in my player pool. Um, you know, obviously we can't play everybody. I do think the ownership's fine if you like him. And uh, there's a there's a couple players in this range that I just so happen to like a little bit more. Like I'd rather play, and I guess I'm on the clock, X, so I'll just very quickly give this answer. Mm-hmm. Like I'd rather play Keegan Bradley. I'd rather play Maverick McNeely. Um, I'd rather play Harold Varner. But he's in that next mix, I guess, like from players after that, that I would so consider. So which one of those guys are you picking? So to me, it's going to come down to obviously Keegan Bradley or Harold Varner since McNeely is not an option I can get to at this point. Um, both of them are gross. Like, you know, like neither one of them necessarily looks great. And maybe it's just because Harold Varner has burned me one too many times and has burned me on this show a million times. I can't get myself to go there. Uh, my model also, for whatever it's worth, does happen to like Keegan Bradley a little bit more. I'll take the upside with Keegan and, and hope for the best with him. All right. Anybody have an opinion on Keegan? David, let's go to you on Keegan real quick. Yeah, I mean, look, I'd, I'd prefer Keegan over HV3. HV3, plenty of distance off the tee, but he does tend to perform at shorter courses. Yeah, um, For some reason, he's, he's kind of a, a Cam Davis in that way of, like, the, the shorter courses seem to bring the best out of him. So I of the two, I prefer Keegan. I, I can't say I'm overly enamored with either of them. I mean, as as Spence alluded to, I took McNeely first over um, Keegan, and, and that's because I prefer him. Um, I prefer Pendrith as well. I really like okay. him this week. So, yeah. All right. Uh, David, your last pick. What do we got? Yeah, look, I'm, I mean, the way the drafts played out, I'm I'm really tempted to go way down the board and surprise everyone and leave a, a ton of money on the table. Uh, the the golfer that I would do that for would be Sebastian Munoz at 6,500. That's incredibly tempting for me to uh, to leave that amount of money on the table. Um, do I do it? I'm going to disappoint the... Uh, the audience i'm going to take uh, adam scott wow all right interesting pick uh i'm not looking at his stats right now but he got pretty hot with the putter last week was that really the only thing that that popped for him last week 
his approach improved as well. I mean, he, he'd lost previously at the Wyndham. Um, I, he he is an excellent putter. Don't don't get me wrong. Adam Scott is a highly underrated putter. And uh, the the other thing I'd add is that approaches from two hundred yards. He's third on tour this season. Uh, better your better percentage from 200 yards. He's 44th this season. So um, in terms of some of those long iron metrics, he he's he plays incredibly well. And, and he's sneaky long off the tee. I mean, he's 42, but he's still gaining a ton for distance off the tee as well. So um, in terms of comp courses as well, he's got some some excellent performances, particularly Trump Doral, he won. Um, and he's won the uh, the Genesis Invitational as well, which I don't think is the, the worst course to be looking at for a comparison to, to Wilmington. We have a steel agu- accusation coming from Midnight Dancer. Oh, it's a blatant... It's not even an accusation. It's a blatant statement. <laughs> I'll admit to it. Say, I'm guilty. Charge me. Oh, confessions. I love them. Okay. We will confess to our final pick being A.A. Ron Wise, who was nominated by Lindsay's exclamation points and by our very own Stephen Pilardi, who will be coming out with the ownership article tomorrow, uh, early evening, late afternoon. So that wraps it up for for us i mean clearly the audience has the best team but we have joel's guarantee we have david's prowess and we have spencer's consistency i, I think it's uh i think it's 25 percent share all, all the way around in terms of win equity this week well you guys let us know don't forget put a comment we're gonna post the teams let us know who you think's gonna win put your votes in now there will be crowned a champion it's going to be me and we'll talk about it next week but we're not done yet we still have some outrights some first round leaders before we get to that don't forget if you haven't already hit the like button give us a follow uh but we'll start in the outright market for tonight see ya who do you like for outrights this week Speaking of follows, I, I think everybody in this chat probably follows Win Daily Sports on YouTube. I, I like literally, I shouldn't say literally, figuratively a ton of content on our YouTube channel. I think we're a few short of like 2K subs, which, you know, it's all, all mile markers are important. So if you're not already subscribed to the Win Daily Sports YouTube channel, please go there and just hit the subscribe button. Super easy, obviously. All right, here are my five outrights. Um, I, I, already, I already told you I only bet one. So I, I am going to bet like probably a few of these other ones that I'm going to mention, but these, I usually like to come up with four or five. I'll give you five. They're all 30 to one or longer. Cause I just don't want to take a short shot. If anything, I'll live bet a short shot Thursday, Friday, or, or Saturday, Victor Hovland, 30 to one I already mentioned Joaquin Neiman at 40 to one Cam Davis at 65 to one Hideki Matsuyama at 65 to one and Taylor Pendrith at 90 to one. I love it. I love it. How about you Spence? You got me out right market. Yeah, I was trying to figure out a way to get exposure to Victor Hovland in in any capacity, whether that be this show or in the outright market. And I unfortunately didn't end up there just because I went so heavy at the top of the board. And I think one of the big names ends up winning this. And unfortunately, that means that this will not be a tournament that I can in tournament bet just because all my exposure is already tied up at this point. But I bet John Rahm at 14 to one. I took Scotty Scheffler at 18 to one. And then I did bet Cameron Young at 35 to one when those odds released. That's dropped more into the 25 to one range at most books. Might be able to find a 28 to one maybe if you really shop around, but uh, those numbers have kind of been zapped at this point. All right. How about you, David? Who you got in the outright market? Yeah, I'll, I'll just make a quick comment on on Hovland with these huge greens as well. Uh, the the concern for Hovland is always this, the chipping, right? And he hates these kind of tight lies. We've got thicker rough here, four-inch kind of Kentucky bluegrass, which isn't isn't actually overly penal compared to Bermuda two and a half. I know that's shorter, but Bermuda gets these funny kind of flyers coming out. 
Um, but with these larger greens, I mean, if he's missing greens, you know, there's these bigger issues at play um, than, than Holland's chipping. So, so I really like him this week. All right. Here they are, the picks. Roy McElroy, 13 to 1. I think he wins. Scotty Cheffler, 21 to 1. Joaquin Neiman, 41 to 1. Cameron Davis, 76 to 1. Keith Mitchell, 81 to 1. Taylor Penrith, 100 to 1. Trey Mullinax, 126 to 1. And Sebastian Munoz at 140 to 1. I love it. I love it. We got some good plays here. I think, as everyone alluded to, my strategy for out, for outright betting this week is going to be live. I want to see what the leaderboard looks like over the weekend. Because like you said, the odds are already pretty short. I do think it's going to be one of these elite guys. So I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be sacrificing that many, that much odds come Saturday when I take somebody you know within five or six strokes. But to get somebody early pre-tournament to get us started, I do. I'm a line. I think it tells everyone something that we all like the same guy. I think Victor Hoffman's the right play in the outright market. Because he's one of those guys, if he's super dialed this week with those irons and just kind of pin-seeking every hole, it's going to be hard. I mean, he'll be right there on top of the leaderboard, uh, especially because it should, like David said, it should neutralize his big weakness, which has given him a lot of trouble. The other play I like that, which no one has mentioned, uh, is Tom Kim. I mean, Tom Kim mm-hmm. at 35-1. to 1, This guy does, doesn't really have a weakness, right? He does everything well. He puts together another one of those weeks where he just maybe gets a hot putter or, a hot, or just hot with his irons, and he can win another tournament. So – uh, I know he kind of went unnoticed at 35 to 1. I think that, that's a good number for him. We really don't know what he is yet, right? We could look back next year and he could be a top 5, 10 golfer every week, or he can maybe neutralize and be like a Davis Riley who for two months was a top 5 golfer and then that kind of dissipated. So we'll see, but right now he's playing well. And so I'm going to ride that train a little bit longer. All uh, right. Can I ask you a question on that, Joel. Do you have any concern? This is the longest test that Tom Kim's kind of faced, and he's not the longest off the tee. Do you have any concerns about that? Because I know that's that for me is is one thing that's kind of holding me back on him. I think it's a fair concern. I think the counter argument to that is we really don't know what we're going to get off this course. So I don't want to put like too heavily yeah. weighted something like that on a course where there's a lot of unknown. So I like I want to rely on his form is really good, right? He's this guy who's playing really good golf. And, uh, you know, listen, we could, this course could play on, we could be wrong. Like it wasn't playing that long. And then, you know, maybe ownership goes down or something on him. So uh, I'm, I, well, I, I'm playing the course length more as an advantage for long guys, but I'm not going to make it a negative for, for not as long. Hitters. Yeah. Look, I, th- I think that's a fair point. And probably from a game theory perspective, it's, it's interesting in terms of if everyone is going to assume that it, you need distance off the tee, getting a little bit different by having someone who's a little short off the tee may, may be a great way to, to get some leverage in terms of ownership. So it's a fair point. All right. All right. Now the first round leader market, you know, you just got to have a feeling that we're going to hit here, right? We've been so hot all year. This kind of feels like the last tournament. Kind of feels like we're due for one last hurrah but to end the season. David, why don't you kick us off? Who are you like in the first round leader market? Yeah, can I? I'll point out as well for the last um, four weeks on either the DP World Tour or PGA Tour, one of my tips has been the first round leader. So um, we've, we've got a bit of history going here now. And uh, yeah, I'll give you this is this is my lens all morning, guys, as well. 
I don't think it's going to be hugely windy in the afternoon, but there, there does seem to be a varnish in the morning. There looks to be a bit of rain Thursday night as well. So softer conditions potentially um, for those first out in the morning. So as a result, I'm going to go Mav McNeely at 60 to 1. I've got Taylor Moore at 80 to 1. Got Sebastian Munoz 66 to 1. Trey Mullinax at 66 to 1. And Kurt Kitayama at 100 to 1. I love those plays. I love them. How about you, Spence? You looking in the first round leader market? I might end up tailing David on the Munoz pick. Uh, I, for the record, think that would have been a very unique way to end a lineup. Obviously, it would have been leaving a lot of salary on the table, but I'll probably add that because I don't have a very big card. I mean, as far as like the numbers that I've gotten, so I have Luke List at a hundred to one, uh, Keegan Bradley at eighty to one, Russell Henley at fifty to one, and Cameron Young at thirty-five to one. With Munoz to be determined at this point, but I probably will uh, tail that play. I love it. I love it. I have uh, just a few plays here for the first round leader market. Uh, one of my favorite plays is I really liked actually. I wasn't in my pool, but David, I really like the Taylor Moore call at eighty to one. Um, also eighty to one. My play is Emiliano Grillo at eighty to one. I think it's a really good value for a first round leader. Um, Mito Pereira at fifty to one. Uh, I had two more looking. Looking okay. The first round leader is going to be, I really am, he's already been said, I think the fact that multiple people are on him, he's shown up in first rounds already this week. It's Cameron Young. He's really popular. The number's good, 35 to 1. He likes that first round. That's the winner. That's my play for the week. But Sia, please enlighten us. Where are we putting the mortgage and how are we closing this season strong? So a, a couple things here. Um, I like Cameron Young too. I actually X'd out pretty much everybody in the afternoon. Again, I don't think it's a big edge, but I just decided to go with the morning because that's where we traditionally see the, the first round leader. So I like the Cameron Young pick. The only afternoon guy I took was Joaquin Neiman at, at 40 to one, or what's his first round leader number. It is, I think it's 40 to one. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll double check that. For some reason, I don't have that down here, but I do have five picks. So it's, it's going to end up being six. I'm going to have to nick somebody because... Joaquin Neiman was one of my guys. Okay, so I'll I'll take out Colin Morikawa at twenty eight to one. I mean, I, I think that's a fine play. He he seems to be getting hot. He this year on the year he hasn't been great in first rounds. I'm not going to factor that in too much, but it's just something to point out. So I'm kicking Colin Morikawa to the curb. I'm taking Joaquin Neiman at forty to one first round leader. I'll verify that number. Uh, the other four guys are as follows: Ju Young Kim at thirty five to one. Taylor Moore, who you guys were on at 80 to 1. Love that. Uh, Mito Pereira at 50 to 1. Joel, I know you were also on that. So we have Mito Pereira. We have Ju Young Kim. Taylor Moore. I think I said Mito Pereira. So I'm a little disorganized. But the guy who's actually going to win it, the guy who is going to be your first round leader, who is also out in the morning, which I think is a slight advantage, and who has been red hot. The hottest guy over the last few tournaments that we've seen from a ball striking standpoint and, and the putter combined. It's Sung J.M. Sung J.M. is 28 to 1. It's relatively short. Uh, again, we don't know exactly what to expect out of this course, but whatever it is, I think Sung J.M. is going to be a great play this week. And Sung J.M. at 28 to 1. He's going to be your first round leader at the BMW Championship two days from now. In the future, I'm telling you what's going to happen. Last week was a guarantee. That was to throw the others off the set that, that I maybe can't see the future. But this week, I'm telling you, Sung J.M. 28 to 1. He's your first round leader. You're welcome. Wrap it up. That's a lock. 
You know it's coming through. Count your stacks Thursday night when it finishes. Uh, I am pumped for this week. Keep in mind, this is the playoffs. 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 Big, big week. It's going to be fun. Uh, See, am I missing anything? Well, I I, got to give it to the chat because they have been so fun. They've been so engaged. We probably won't do a show next week because it's just 30 people. Like, that's my guess. So we'll see you in the next kind of like relatively full field tournament, which I think is probably going to be the format as we discussed um, prior to the show, uh, which is in, in a few weeks. I will say that Better Golf Pod probably has a podcast next week. And Spencer, can you confirm that for us? I've not talked to Nick about it, but I would say with almost, I don't want to promise anything. I would say with almost hundred percent certainty that we will. Yeah. And it makes sense for you guys too, right? Because yeah. a lot of these shows probably won't go. And so people will be looking for their content and you guys have the best bonding, betting content in the industry, in my opinion. So yes. at least from a podcast standpoint. Um, so everybody tune into that next week. We'll see you probably in a few weeks. You'll, we'll also see you in discord. Um, but again, I got to go back to the chat because David, did you say something? Oh, sorry. I thought you said something. We got, go ahead. Uh, I'll, I'll just give um, Stephen a, a shout out that I will gratefully accept his pizza bet, which I've just noticed in the, the chat. I'm, I'm going to take that as well. I'm four of four, so uh, let's wrap it up make it five of five. What's the bet, though? Um, so Munoz head-to-head against uh, Stallings, and I'm guessing same terms of, uh, oh, there's no miscut this week, so um, sports. All right, sports. And I was going to say, I was going to hand to the chat because Charlie has already said it for us, sports. So everybody will see you soon. Good luck this week. Those first round leader bets, lock. Lock it all up, sports. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.